0: Hey,
1: what is up good people? Welcome to a brand new episode of The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thanks for tuning in. We got some good stuff for you today. We first have the movie review for Borigo and also the review for Euphoria Season 2, Episode 3, that actually came out this past weekend. And hopes that we can get ready for a new episode coming up next weekend for Euphoria. And I want to go ahead and get into a special discussion regarding one of my favorite movies of all time uh, that is Goodwill Hunting. I just want to go talk about why I love that movie so much, its cultural significance, and what it really means to me as you know as my favorite movie. So that being said, once again, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host Jordan Malone. Let's get to it. Everybody, doing today? I'm doing great on this lovely night that is Thursday. I am up a little bit late than what I wanted to be, but that's just because I just really need to get a quick nap in and I'm getting on the phone with some people, just chilling. So I'm here right now, man, and it's great to be here. Uh, Welcome you all to another new episode of Midnight Drop. like I said before, we're going to be doing a movie review, TV show review, and then a huge discussion on one of my favorite movies of all time, Goodwill Hunting. And, you know, uh, I think I may have made this announcement the last episode that I wanted to go ahead and separate my slate of films that I was watching all last weekend uh, into two different episodes this week because I'll be leaving. Uh, Out of town and I think I'll try to get it another episode in tomorrow so I can kind of go ahead and like release that ahead of time. But there are so many movies that I watched and so many shows that I watched as well and some other things I wanted to talk about that. I just felt like it was better to kind of separate that in half and to kind of just make that more content for myself. Uh, And I'm also trying to work on more of just the production Uh, getting clips out there on my Instagram channel so that more people can go check it out. And I'm really, really anxious to try to do more video because I really want to get that together. I really want to do a lot of cool stuff with it because I have this really nice camera, that Blackmagic 4K, uh, but I really want a camera monitor and I really, really want to be able to look at myself while I'm filming While I'm recording, so I can get a sense of how I can speak better to you guys, the audience. Because sometimes I'm really shy when it comes to speaking. Uh, I'm really shy to really just speak on the microphone and look at the camera directly at the same time. And I know that this is a little bit of a problem for me because I've done public speaking while in college, but I've been off my game a little bit. But hey, man, that's why we keep doing this, man, to try to work better on it, get on this mic. I really feel like these podcast episodes are just another way for me to get better, with just speaking. And I feel like that's how everybody should take it in strides. If you're somebody who's not the best at public speaking or wants to get back on the ground and get better, uh, do a podcast or at least talk. Like pretend like you're talking to an audience through a microphone or through a camera. It actually helps wonders with like not being as shy or not, you know. Being somebody who can just be in awkward situations I would say So that's what I would really say with this whole thing with being a podcast It really helps out with me uh, Besides that I gotta talk about some shit um, That I'm just a little bit annoyed of Before we get into the movies and TV show reviews I'm a little bit annoyed of just what What is shown as importance today Because I stumbled across this little article while I was kind of looking up news of the day and figuring out, you know, what was catching on and stuff. And one of the things that I noticed that really got on my nerves uh, was people just getting mad at the wrong shit. And I don't want to spend too much time on it. This is more like my my opening presser for today's episode, but it's just it seems like people just get mad at the at the wrong shit. There are so many things else in the world that people seem to get really upset on things that don't really need to be given any attention. And that actually goes into this whole this whole argument of like Republicans and conservatives getting mad about Minnie Mouse and shit. Like, I I know I don't want to make this like a super political show, but it was just so crazy because I've been seeing this for the last uh, couple of years Where it seems like they just pick apart, like, certain things. Like, they get mad about a children's cartoon character. Or they get mad about a TV show. And that they do something that's different. That's not through their scope, you know, their scope, their lens. And they just seem to make a big song and dance about it. And I'm going to try to see if I can find a video for it. Because I just saw an article. But essentially, Candace Owens and a couple other conservatives were just mad that... Um, Disney, I guess, uh, let somebody redo the outfit of Minnie Mouse and in theory for them, the new outfit for Minnie Mouse, which is basically this polka dot suit was going to be a new outfit for the rest of her entire career or whatever. But in all actuality, it was just something that, you know, they were just trying out with Minnie for a couple of times and that she's going to keep changing her outfit, but Candace Owens who's a well-known conservative uh talk you know talk talking head I, I was gonna say talk show host but more or less a talking head she's been able to flip this make her own thing and uh, get a lot of press from it I am gonna try to find a whole video for it because I feel like it's ridiculous oh Jesus Christ oh my God yeah okay. Here's something I don't like. I really don't like every time. I don't even want to try to look this up because when I look this up. Yeah, when I look this up with her, it just seems like. It just seems like, you know, it's just her own shit. And it's just a whole bunch of arguments and her way and it's biased. And I just I just don't want that. So I'm not even going to look up the video, but. It was this whole thing where she was just talking shit about Minnie Mouse and talking about like they're destroying the, the, the fabric of old society and American values. And it was just like, dude, it's just a fucking polka dot dress, man. Like, I don't really like her as much. I don't think she has the best values. I don't think uh, I don't think she has the best points. I can disagree with most of them. Uh, I do remember this time where I was first introduced to her, where she was, I guess she was at like an HBCU or something, and she was basically just talking uh, with a group of T.I., this other female rapper, Killer Mike, and somebody else, and she was booed uh, by so many black people, man. It was crazy. But her and Killer Mike actually had this really dope conversation, and I actually really liked that. And I thought that was the one thing that I can appreciate is that, give credit where credit is due. Candace Owens can debate, but that does not mean that she is full of shit. Sometimes it's just, it's just that. And, oh boy, I want to be careful what I say here, man, because I don't want to be fucked up, but the things that I just don't like nowadays from news, she's part of it. And I'm not just going to isolate it to just, you know, right wing news. I'm also going to make it to left wing news and just a lot of shit. But there seems to be a lot of things that people get mad about, and there is far more shit that needs to be worried about. Like I was just reading into it; and I've been reading it for the last couple of weeks. But Ukraine seems to be almost invaded. It's it seems to be almost going to war with Russia, or at least being invaded by Russia. In the United States, the UK, France, Canada, they're all trying to bound in, uh, you know, come in together and try to fight off Russia and try to cool off tensions. And it's just like, we're focusing so much on cartoon characters. Now we're not focusing on this big issue. We're not focusing on things like climate change. We're not focusing anything on like, how can we slow down this huge wave of Omicron and positive COVID cases? How can we try to get people more vaccinated? How can we get more people to understand the severity of certain things? And it just seems like media likes to pick out here and there, you know, what they deem important. And it's really getting ridiculous, man. I'm not saying it's like the worst thing in the world, but it becomes an annoyance that you just want it to stop, man. And I know that some media outlets take it for like clickbait or just like, this Just this will get us some couple of, a couple of clicks and views because people are very react reactionary. People do seem to get angry when something like that happens because deep down, we get emotional stuff like our favorite cartoon characters because of nostalgia. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying with one of my discussion was with movies uh, is that nostalgia hits hard. Nostalgia is like a big, is like a drug. It's like cocaine to be honest with you. And it's being supplied by Hollywood uh, where we just can't get enough of it. So when somebody changed that, you know, that nostalgia for us that they change the appearance of a cartoon character or whatever, people, you know, they get, people get mad people have a lot of reactions, man, either good or bad. And that's just something I'm just really annoyed about because at the end of the day, these cartoon characters aren't real. Yeah. They have, we have feelings with them. We have these certain memories. So I won't, you know, take that away from you guys, including myself, but at the end of the day they're just characters. It could be a bigger, it's a bigger deal in some cases where it's just like, it sets a precedent precedent that, you know, kids, you know, whenever they see a gay cartoon character or a character that turns gay, lesbian non-binary trans, you know, that does set a precedent for kids that like, oh, all these other people who identify sexually in a different way are people, or if this woman is not being put in a stereotype, that means I can do whatever I want. That means my imagination is boundless and it can become reality. And that's something that I hold dear to my heart, but at the same time, you know, for adults that go crazy, especially when they go crazy for like a change, with cartoon characters, it's ridiculous. And I just wanted to bring this out. I know this is kind of like off off the rip. This is off topic from what we do here on The Midnight Drop. But it's just something that I just find to be really annoying. And I know I'm talking about it right now. But I just want to go out and just tell you guys. Because this will probably be the last time I talk about it unless I'm with a group. And we, I've seen this way too many times. Uh, they made a whole big controversy with Space Jam 2 with Pippi Le Pew being cut out. Uh, because what his actions were were deemed uh, a little, you know, a little pervertish. Uh, there was the whole thing with Dr. Seuss and how they were going to go stop, you know, there were some schools saying we're not going to celebrate Dr. Seuss's birthday because he was a slick racist. And uh, there was one where Candace Owens got mad because uh, I think it was Grover from like the kid, like it was like the Muppet Babies. And, like, Grover – I don't think it was Grover. I think it was uh somebody else. Guess, Gestapo. <laughs> I don't know if it is Gestapo. But it was one of the Muppets. He ended up uh, saying that, I'm a woman or I'm trans, and I've always felt this way. And it was, like, a really cool lesson on, like, how do people feel when they feel like they're a woman or a man? Like, when they're a woman or a man, but they actually feel like they're the other sex or they just feel like, I feel like I'm both. And I felt like that was a really cool lesson, but a lot of conservatives, including Candace Owens, just got mad as hell. I remember Ted Cruz got mad because Big Bird uh, was saying go get vaccinated. And then he got mad as hell on Twitter. And it's just like, why are you making beef with a with a big bird, man? Why are you making beef with a with a beloved cartoon character? Calm down. It it, it makes no sense. There is so much shit to worry about, and you're worrying about the wrong shit. And I digress This is not a political show <laughs> This is This is just coming off my mind Because Sometimes it's just cool To just talk And just get some stuff Out the way That's just how I feel And I just saw this Because I was like There's so much shit going on Like does Nobody realize That the world's all fucked up Climate's changed COVID The panoramic's fucked up And we worried about Minnie Mouse wearing a suit. You serious? You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about you guys <laughs> following me on my Instagram <laughs> and following the podcast. I'm sorry. Oh, that was a that was a shameful plug. But nah, uh, if you're new here to the Midnight Drop, you can go ahead and follow us at official underscore TMD podcast uh, on Instagram, and you can follow my personal page at six one five underscore chill. Uh, do whatever you want. If you want to DM me how much you hated my take. What I just said the last 15 minutes go ahead Have a nice debate I like I like talking to you guys uh, <laughs> uh, If you want to listen to the Midnight Drop and other platforms You can listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast, uh, Anchor and also on our website www.midnightdrop.com You want to go ahead and leave a Comment, like, share, follow Anywhere you want to do in any of our platforms uh, But any help is much Appreciative and also Stay tuned for more episodes and live episodes on YouTube as well. Uh, We want to try to get a camera monitor here so I can look at myself and see how I'm doing so I can practice for that public speaking, baby. That being said, after this break, we'll be right back with a review on Borrego. You guys soon. didn't miss me during that break i know you guys did probably not i don't know i don't care i miss you guys more than ever but we're back here um there was something else i wanted to talk about uh during that 15 minute session i had uh now i'm kind of regretting talking about politics because number one uh whoever listens to this podcast and doesn't agree with my ideals or what i just said i'm gonna get a lot of hate i don't know i try to advertise some of these clips (laughs) but uh One of the other things is that I had this really cool conversation uh, with two people yesterday regarding just the explosion of podcasts and the epidemic of it. Uh, Not to say that, you know, podcasts are bad. I'm on a podcast right now. Why would I say podcasts are bad and why I'm on a podcast? It's more or less just the certain types of podcasts that are being made out there and just what they mean in terms of their toxicity and shit. And I think y'all know, I, I think, Y'all know what I'm talking about, but I don't want to go further into it because we got a movie review to go over. and A movie that I spent some good time watching while at work because I spent way too much time watching other movies in the theater or at the comfort of my own home in bed. Eating in cinnamon Toast Crunch like a little baby. <laughs> but uh, no, we are actually talking about Bodigo. Uh, A movie that was actually released both in theaters and on digital Uh, had more people watch it on digital though than in theaters because I did not see a lot of theaters hold this movie for long. But basically what it is is that it's it's another at-the-wrong-place-at-the-right-time movie where you follow a young botanist uh, right in the desert. I don't know which desert it is, though, but she's in the desert. And uh, while on patrol late at night... She witnesses a plane crash and she goes to look for any survivors and finds a survivor, uh, one from Mexico, Uh, but at the same time also finds some drugs uh, where she quickly tries to run away. But the drug dealer gets her and it then leads into a story of them trying to escape and her trying to find him a way out before uh, the guy that he was going to make the drug deal with comes and kills them both and gets his money and drugs and. I can say right now that this movie, I really didn't have it too much on my radar. I have seen some people review it. Uh, It was definitely on my calendar, and I wanted to go ahead and give it a try uh, for a VOD film. It's very easy. These types of films are easy to just knock out. And, you know, there are some good things about it, and there are some bad things about it. And I kind of want to go ahead and take my time to go ahead and tell you guys straightforward about it because, I don't think this will be a quick review. I don't think this will be something to where I'm going to spend a lot of time and go in depth or have a big discussion. It's just my thoughts, pros, cons here, there, there you go. So without further ado, let's get into the trailer of Borigo.
2: deputy sheriff in need of immediate assistance does anybody read me i have an emergency i got a homicide scene with two bodies and a third missing person
3: dad i was in the desert with ellie yesterday
4: where was she exactly
5: with our product never arrived this is your problem now I will take care of it
2: if we keep walking
0: this way we are gonna die we are alone no one is ever gonna find us here all right we're in the middle of the desert
6: he'll come for ladro
5: the monster saw your truck driving in the distance there' never anyone out here. <laughs>
1: I just, I just remembered. Uh, there was this one part of the trailer, guy just laughing, and I remember one of the last couple episodes I did where I was doing trailers that I saw him laughing, and I just, I saw him like, <laughs> and I just laughed like crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's keep going.
0: Dad, what's going on?
1: I don't know. Bad things.
4: Is someone there? Please help. Keep running He's coming Watch out! Hey!
1: All right That is the trailer For Borigo I don't know why I said it like that But it's directed By Jesse Harris uh, I'm gonna just go ahead And just straight up Tell you right now This isn't gonna be A big review Like I said before And I'll just go right straight into how I felt with the movie. I thought it was okay, but it's leaning to just not as good uh, as you want it to be. When I first saw the trailer, I thought it was just going to be okay. And it was just that more of on the bad side. I had more cons than good, actually. But if I had to start off with one of the things I really liked is the cinematography here. Is really cool. And the direction here is really nice. Uh, I don't know who Jesse Harris is. I don't know what he's done before. I don't know what he's worked on. If I'm actually looking over here, he seems to be pretty young for a director, 36 years old. He's done two movies, Wind in the Night and Living Life. Living Life, uh, he did it in 2005. Wind in the Night was 2018. Uh, so that was fairly, that was fairly recent. And I would just tell you this right now, like the look of this film was really cool and that's a good and a bad thing, but I'll explain the bad later on. The good with it is just that it just looks cool. It really does feel like they didn't, they used the natural look. They used just the location. They made it feel really genuine and, Whenever you see characters pretty much go through it in the blazing sun in the desert, you really feel that because they're really are there. And I just think when they did some things, which is a lot, they had a lot of one take shots, like no cuts, no additional cuts, anything. And I really appreciated that. It was really cool. And I think that just really shows that there's some sort of influence here that Jesse Harris has when it comes to getting into this movie and when it comes to filming it. Uh, I thought his direction was okay. I thought it was cool. And that was something that I didn't really expect coming from this film. Uh, One of the other things is that I did appreciate what this movie was trying to do a little bit. Uh, What this movie does is that in the beginning, it's sort of just saying... uh, You're at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, this main character uh, who's played by Lucy Hale, who plays Ellie, she is in a predicament to where she's trying to race against the clock before she either gets killed by the person who's kidnapping her or, you know, getting killed by the guy who is also going to kill the guy who kidnapped her. Which, both of those characters, uh, the one in the plane crash... Lenar Gomez, who plays Thomas, and Jaime Elmarek, who plays Juan uh, Manuel. And I just think what they tried to do in the middle of this film, where they had Ellie and Thomas kind of just have a conversation and get to know each other a little bit more, and just those little moments, I did appreciate what they were trying to do, what they were working on, because it does show that they were trying to carve off a little bit of story and create some complex characters. Was the execution great? No, but we'll get into that. Uh, and I do appreciate that this movie doesn't try to do be doesn't try to be too convoluted. It doesn't try to uh, go crazy in certain things. It's very direct. It's very simple. Uh, botanist doing her job. She goes out to the plane crash, gets kidnapped. You get the rest of your movie where she is with this guy and they're just trying to get to a C. And I did appreciate that. Um, But if those were the only things I can say were pros, then you know damn well that the rest of this film just did not fly with me. And if there is one thing that I really did not like uh, was the pacing and just the the lack of character, kind of like the lack of character development or just understanding or connection with characters i'll say that and i'll start with the pacing though like throughout this movie i did feel bored like they had moments where it was like there was some cool uh, action there were some cool scenes here or there but overall i just felt like them just walking through the desert getting through even some of the scenes were like they want to have you tense up i already knew that they were going to be fine and i didn't really care too much about that it was more of just, you know, when are we going to get to this next part? When are we going to get to this? Because you know the movie is going to be pre- predictable. You know they're not going to take any big risk or big chances. So what's the point? And I felt with that, it just kind of caused the pacing to just be off. It just felt really slow to me, you know? And, oh, man. When it comes to some of these characters, man, especially your main one, uh, Ellie, played by Lucy Hale, she, I really just... Don't feel anything with her, man. I just feel like, you know, this is just a regular character who's gets caught up in a fucked up situation. Well, actually kind of does some dumb shit, actually. Uh, and one of the scenes where she's trying to run away from Thomas after the plane crashes, she does something that you're just like, all you got to do is do this. But the movie is making her do this dumb decision so it can progress. And it's just like, I... I don't really want to get behind you after some dumb shit like that. And plus, I guess they try to establish some character with her, with saying like, you know, there's something about her with her flower tattoo and how she looks at flowers, but that wasn't very well executed. And I think that was the other big problem with this film. Uh, The execution of this film just did not hit as well as the directors or the actors thought it was going to be. Um, For me, it's like, I could see some things here and there. Again, I appreciated what they were trying to do in terms of, uh, certain characters and certain storylines, but overall how it was executed with this poor pacing, it just didn't really get with me. Uh, it was like been here, but done that. And it's nothing way too exciting. Um, if there was anything else to go off on is that you had two other characters in this film that, I just did not like uh one of them I didn't like because he's kind of put into the film and he's really non-existent like you really don't give a fuck about him and now was the police officer uh who's played uh by Nicholas Gonzalez man it's just I never really care too much and he plays like the father of like this little girl who's skipping school and you're really thinking. You look more like the older brother than the father, man. I mean, that's not a, you know, a complaint or anything like that. That's just something to point out because, you know, he looks good as hell, man. I'm just being honest. But there was, you know, there were times where he just comes in and you're just like, okay, like you're trying to make us feel invested in you, but I'm not really feeling invested in you at at all either. And the other character, the little girl... I actually kind of find her to be annoying at times. Like she just comes up, you know, she's talking about I'm skipping school, all that. And it's just, I just didn't find her interesting or relatable or anything at all. And I felt like that was a wasted opportunity. Um, Another big one, another big con with this film is that sometimes I felt like this film, the story was more of less a, like an extra thing for, it to be for people to be engaged with a glorified sizzle reel of camera shots, because this is the bad thing with the whole cinematography. Like the look of this film is really cool. Like it makes you feel like it's a film, but at the same time, it's like with slow pacing and just with all these slow moments, because they're taking their time, getting that right shot of the mountains And the eagle coming in and shrieking and the cactus and the sun blazing on our characters. And it's just like, are you trying to tell us a story or are you just trying to show us how cool of a camera you got right now, fam? And, you know, I just I just really didn't I didn't really vibe with that as much because you already have a movie that I'm going to look up the runtime you already have a movie that I'm, I'm not really feeling anymore. And you want to tell me that like, we're just going to keep it going with these really long shots just to show how how cool your camera is. It was like, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not really into it. It was an hour and 42 minutes. And I know like, it's not like a particularly long movie, but the pacing makes it really long. And these shots make it really long too. Like at some points it just felt a little unbearable. I will say that right now. And if there's one last thing to talk about, the ending of this film just doesn't really feel it at all. It just kind of like ends where the predictable happens. And then also, man, I got to be honest with you, man. That whole message they try to put in felt way too fucking out of place. If you don't know what I'm talking about, basically at the end of the film, it, it cuts to black. And then it shows about like, hundreds of thousands of people have died due to fentanyl overdose. And if you want to know more, go to www.drugs.org and you know, cool message, but this felt way too fucking out of place because nowhere in this movie, except for maybe one scene, do they talk about, you know, the fentanyl epidemic and you know, that one scene where they may or may not talk about it. It was really just about the guy, you know, about the kidnapper saying, I don't want to, be here I lost my job I want to make sure my family goes well and you know make sure my brother's cool and stuff he helped me get this like yeah that ending just felt way out of place so all that being said I feel like believe Oh my god Bligo. No Buriego is a film that if you're just kind of like bored and you're looking for something like on VOD for like 3.99 to rent or on Netflix for free uh go ahead watch it uh I've seen some people who liked it and you know me, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Uh, but for me, I just didn't really vibe with this movie at all. There are some things that I could take away and say, okay, this is cool. But overall, it just wasn't for me. So I'm going to give this movie of uh, damn man, a four out of 10. That's what I'm going to give it right now. Is it my worst movie of the year? Hell no. There, are, there are other movies that are worse than this, but uh, yeah, man, Kind of a disappointment man But it's not like I was You know Going crazy for it Like I wanted it to be amazing It is what it is But that's our first review of the night Hope you guys are sticking along Coming up next we got A quick review Of Euphoria season 2 episode 3 And then My thoughts My reasons to why I love uh, this movie, one of the greatest movies of all time in my opinion, Good Will Hunting. Be right back after this. Thanks for tuning in, man. Uh, I am sorry. I am, I am really just trying to figure out why is this one person texting me? It's like it's like things happen in just the middle of the show, and you're just like, what the? F- why the fuck is this happening at this time? In this present day, like it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Hold on a second. Uh, oh, bless myself. Shit. Yeah, I don't know why this person's texting. I really don't. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and get going. Sorry for that, guys. We're gonna go ahead and just talk about one of my favorite shows that I'm watching right now. That I did a quick review of the first two episodes for, and I'm gonna do another review for this third episode, and that is Euphoria season two. Uh, why not? We, we've gone past our third episode uh, Where We basically are continuing these storylines With these characters And you know All I gotta say is, is that uh, I pretty much liked this episode This was really cool uh, Was this better than The second episode or the first episode No I don't think nothing is beating that first episode Of the second season so far uh, Not not that not that second episode, the first episode. I don't think nothing is beating that first episode. That second episode, I would say my genuine feelings are pretty much here. It's the same, nothing too crazy. Uh, but if there is something to say, I do think the opening is probably the best opening I've seen uh, next to the Fez backstory. Because in every episode of Euphoria, we've gotten basically this prologue to where we're getting a backstory of a certain character. And like in the first two episodes, we gotten a backstory to Fez, one of the fan favorite characters of Euphoria. And in the second episode, more or less a catch up and a current situation to Nate and his whole deal and infatuation with uh, Cassie and his love for Maddie at the same time. It's very messy, very weird, but that's euphoria. And in this episode, we basically got the backstory to Nate's dad, Cal, who last season is basically dealing with this whole problem of uh, being down low. You know, he's secretly, you know, in the closet. He loves having sex with men and trans people. And he doesn't really want to go ahead and say nothing about that. And kind of just seeing how he was brought up where his... I guess desire to be with men starter was with his best friend. And I got to tell you, man, it was beautiful. It was something that I really, really appreciated seeing because, you know, as much as we don't like Cal and what he does, he's a prick, he's a dick, he's a bitch, all three of them. But there's something about him to where you feel petty. You feel sorry for, because, you know, there are moments to where he's basically what's, wrong with toxic masculinity and what's wrong with some of the older generation and what they view and and sexual identity and stuff. And like, there are things that probably happened to them in the past that made them go down this dark path. So seeing that in the entire backstory, I very much appreciated that. And man, what they did here, which is showing like what he went through all of like high school and stuff. And just being in that position to where, you know he's wrestling with these feelings, but at the same time he's with somebody. He's with his girlfriend, who's now his wife, and he lives in this, It seems to be this very conservative house household to where he's expected to be this certain way because that's the American way. That's the American image. That's the Christian way, and that's just something that I really, really noticed. Uh, But there is this one scene here, man, where he he's graduated with Derek. You know, he's doing his thing, and uh, I guess this is the moment where he's like, I'm going to just let myself be me because I'm truly in love with you, bro. Like, this is th- this is like that best friend love turning just, no, no, I don't just love you, bro. I love you, bro. And I'm going to go ahead and play this clip right here because I need you guys to understand how beautiful this was with the music behind it, man. Skip it a little bit. That's in the wrestling portion. And this is basically the bar scene in you for in the backstory where after they graduated, both Cal and his best friend Derek, that's his name, they go to this bar and it seems to be a gay bar. They're just taking shots. They're going crazy. They're drunk, uh, but they know what they're doing, man. And just throughout this entire scene, is scene. It's just real cool and it's real crazy and it's so beautifully shot man but I'm going to shut up and let you guys hear this man it's awesome
0: Don't ask me What you know is true
2: Don't have to tell me
0: I love your
2: precious heart
1: If I gotta be funny, this is basically what a lot of people thought or think what should have happened towards the end of Top Gun. I'm just gonna be real. <laughs> just don't, because this gave me like big Top Gun vibes of just, I love you, bro. You, my best friend. ride or die. And it's just like, yeah, this is this is very much what should have happened with Top Gun, man. Some
0: of us don't. Standing You were there Two worlds colliding And they could never Tear us
2: apart You, you were standing I was there
1: And that basically, towards the end, they just start making out. And I guess at this point, I thought it was just beautiful because you have the music that, you know, very much, you know, tells the entire story and the feelings and the emotions that Cal and Derek are going through with just, we know this is wrong. We know we just love you each other's friends, but we got to be real. We don't know what's going on, but we're going to keep doing because we love each other because that's how we feel. And I always have this thing, it's like when you're drunk, and the shit you do, that that's based off a, a little bit of what you really want to do, what the mind wants, but you try to stop it because you know it's wrong or you just don't want to do it at all, man. But like the very next scene just hits you in the feels and I think this is what puts it over, over the second episode's opening and what ties it with being the best opening so far in season two. And this is when we kind of see like Nate well, we kind of see Cal. I'm sorry, Cal Young looks like fucking Nate, just 70s or 80s shit. And uh, you see, Cal just talking to his girlfriend, who was now his wife. And his girlfriend ends up being pregnant. And you know, he's trying to put on a mask and say like, "Oh, wow, that's great. I'll be there with you to the end." Gets off the phone. He he is crying hard.
6: Hey. Hey, babe. What's
7: wrong? What? Are you sure? Hmm? Are you sure the test is accurate? Take another one. Three. You took three? Yeah. Yeah. Of course I am.
0: Okay.
1: I'll see you in a minute. Here come the tears. Swear to God, here come to tears, God damn it. Oh, my God. Love you, too. You and me, you be crying, too. Oh, shit. <laughs> it didn't even get to the tears, man. It didn't get to him crying, man. Oh man, he didn't get to cry. He was, but no, like that whole scene just ends with him just sad as hell, just crying because he knows that, you know, he finally had the time to to show his true colors and to say, like, I'm happy to be me. But, you know, he can't because, you know, his girlfriend is basically pregnant with his first son, Aaron. And I just saw the comment section real quick. I thought I was just pointing out some people were saying, like, you know, maybe his wife got pregnant on purpose because she knew that, you know, the way Nate and Derek's relationship was. She was like, I'm not letting this happening. I don't know. That could be interesting. That could be really messy. But I, I really don't know. That would be really crazy. Um, There was another one where it was basically talking about, you know, what if that would not have been uh, his girlfriend getting pregnant. What if, you know, turns out Derek had AIDS or Derek got killed in a hate crime because people found out that he was gay and he just got the news from his girlfriend. I thought that was the route it was going. I didn't know it was the route. I didn't know they were going the route with, oh, she's pregnant, young, all that. Because uh, that would have been real that, that would've been really interesting if they were like, Oh, the reason why we don't see Derek any of this time or any mention is because, you know, he got killed or he's really, really sick. And that would have showed the reason why know Cal is crying. But I guess with that being said, we're probably going to see Derek a little bit later in this season because you don't just bring a character up and just not you know not talk about him or he show him a little bit in later episodes. So we'll be anticipating that. But besides that great opening, I mean, I think the episode here was pretty solid. We get the whole dynamic between Rue, Jules, and the new character Ethan, and. Was it Ethan or was it Elliot? I keep getting them confused. And I don't know why. But, you know, you're basically getting the new character. It's Elliot. It's Elliot. I just want to make sure. You basically get this whole thing with this dynamic between Elliot, Rue, and Jules. Where they're pretty much, you know, getting along. They're having these really cool moments. Uh, Jules at first doesn't like Elliot because she is very, very jealous of anybody who may have sexual attraction to Rue and you know not only does she have to deal with that but she has to deal with you know potentially Rue being back on drugs which she is and later on this episode you see everybody getting together the only one the only thing that i felt a little curious about was just Jules and Elliot on the last couple of scenes of the episode where they're talking they're talking about their sexual selves and they're saying oh Rue's not that sexual and to me i just I hope this isn't going the way I think it's going, you know, in my head, I was just like, Oh, is, is Jules going to talk to Elliot like that? And it's going to, I'm going to go from, I hate you to like, Oh, I want to have sex with you or something because Rue doesn't satisfy some shit. I really hope it doesn't go to that. I don't think it will, but my mind jumps to shit like that because so far, some of the things I've predicted to happen in season two are happening and God damn. Uh, but You get this whole relationship, and some of the scenes here that they do, uh, it's funny as hell. You know, they kind of do, like, a truth or dare. Uh, There's one where, like, Jules is peeing in the street. There's one where Elliot is basically saying, I'll do a Cleveland steamer. And I'm going to go ahead and play that clip real quick. Truth or dare. Dare. Yo, Jules, I dare
7: you to take a piss in the middle of the street. All
2: right.
4: yes gender fuck me please
7: wow
4: jules wow okay all right oh <laughs> shit.
0: Oh. Oh. oh okay jules <laughs> hey <laughs> oh yeah. My God. No, 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 no 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 i'm not, know, in the car, not
3: in the car not in the car, in the car. <laughs> <laughs> look i uh i noticed the way that you've been looking at me you know the past couple days and i i wanted you not to i'm into scat play and if you wanted to like poop on
0: each other
5: What the <laughs> fuck <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man it's like those two scenes Have been really fun And like those, teen, those two scenes Were really fun And it's starting to make me Really like this whole trio That they're doing here And I really just hope No drama or craziness Comes out of it um <laughs> it's just Elliot to me just seems like a really cool nice character to have in this show and to provide more storylines and stuff and I really want to s- keep seeing what they're doing here man. It he's been a nice addition. I really like that. That's a big plus so far in season 2. Um one of the other things that we notice here is the continuation of other stories. I think the biggest one uh was the whole thing with Cassie and how she's starting to morph into Maddie. Because she is trying to get the attention of, of Nate. She is trying to do everything she can uh, to be with him and to have the secret relationship. Uh, and she is doing things that, you know, not only Maddie does, but what a lot of women at her age do when they're trying to impress a guy, uh, which is basically wake up four in the fucking morning to go wash your face, brush your teeth, steam clean your private parts. uh you know, do everything you can. And it's just like, to what cost will it will it take for you to get there? At what cost? And then you see this, and it's just like you're seeing, you know, you're not only seeing Cassie go through this, but you see her go, go through a whole fucking mental state breakdown to where she's thinking one thing's happening and the other thing's happening, and she's just so afraid of keeping secrets from her best friends and to making Nate happy that it's totally pulling her apart, man. And I think that's one of the main focuses that we're seeing here in season two that I do appreciate, but I really am not liking because you really are just getting a little annoyed at some shit. Like it, 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 you get a little annoyed from it.
0: Cassie decided to wake up at 4am that morning to get ready for school. She needed to clear her head.
3: And for those three hours she spent getting ready, she only thought about one thing. also something refreshing about the amount of time she was
0: putting into herself out of sight out of mind
1: yeah man i'm just saying like this entire sequence you're seeing cassie just basically go high over heels for this guy who is toxic as fuck and really, you're just begging her to stop and to have more self respect, but you know, she has this problem. She has attachment issues that we've been knowing since season one, with the whole problem stemming from her father and also in past relationships. And just seeing in this part with one of the most toxic people of the show, Nate, it you know, it makes for an interesting storyline, but you're just really afraid of what hap- what happens next, man. You're just really, really afraid, but this goes into this one scene That you know I liked a lot of people liked I even got a comment from one person saying that If you put this up for an Oscar The actress who plays Cassie Should totally get it Because this was a great scene man And it's just basically just say like If you're a fan of Oklahoma I'm sorry They take a lot of dicks in that play And just how everything was in here Was well acted It's crazy yeah.
0: Yeah, sure, for sure, just uh, send it to me Hey, roo Oh,
4: hey, Cash. Wait, are you in the play? What play? Lexi's play What do you mean, Lexi's play? Uh, the play that Lexi wrote Oklahoma What? The play's called Oklahoma No, the drama club's doing Oklahoma Oh my God, do I look like I'm in Oklahoma? Why would your play be set in Oklahoma? You thought I was auditioning for Oklahoma I haven't read it so. Are you making fun of me or did you actually think I was auditioning for Oklahoma? Why the fuck would you audition for Oklahoma? I'm not! Then why the fuck do you look like you're auditioning for Oklahoma? Do what? Yes. Has everyone read Oklahoma but me? Oklahoma not like a play you read. Rue, are you on drugs? Yes. You realized? Uh, N- I've just, nah, I've just been smoking a little bit of weed. Wait, I don't understand. If you're not auditioning for Oklahoma, then why do you look like that? Like what? Like a country music in star. In a good way or a bad way? Bitch, you better be joking. Are you okay, Kat? No! Yes! Fuck it! I am in love with Nate Jacobs and he is in love with me! And don't you, know, you fucking give me that look, Maddie, because I didn't fuck your boyfriend. You two were broken up for three weeks and three days before we even had sex, so I did it, you you guys are terrible for each other And you know I'm right And you guys can all judge me if you want But I do not care I have never ever been happier
3: But she didn't say that In fact it was much weirder She just stared straight ahead Like she's doing now and didn't say a word
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what makes that scene so good Because the comedic timing and everything about it was just spot on. And I really liked it, man. But branching off of that storyline, you know, we also focus on Rue. And Rue does a lot of shit here that, you know, makes you start to realize, just like in season one, man. Even though she gives great narration and she has really cool, funny moments, I don't like her as a person because she does a lot of things that are just petty as fuck. Like in the beginning of the episode. After the prologue. We noticed that she's actually starting to do more drugs. Such as weed. And she explains is that. If you want to get back into drugs. But you don't want people to know that you're getting back into those drugs. That almost made you OD'd. You have to find a cover drug. And one of the best cover drugs. Is weed. Uh weed (laughs) like basically say like i'm having panic attacks i need something to stimulate my senses to get me to sleep so i'm gonna go ahead and take weed and that to me just showed that her steps to making it seem like it's gonna be completely normal to gaslighting her sister to having this big old argument and making her feel bad for 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 berating rue for for smoking weed like that just shows you a really scummy part of Rue, which is basically her just being an addict and how you want her to start stop. But what, the other big thing that we see here that's going to be a big thing later on in this entire season is that Rue finds out a plan to get more drugs and to sell drugs and to make money to get more drugs. And that is to basically have the smartest Kindest people at her school sell those drugs so that you can make a quick profit and that nobody will ever suspect those nice people selling drugs. Because why would the top A students, the top, the highest graded students in the school actually be doing selling drugs when they're all good to go, man? And, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of just thinking that, fam, she's not doing this because she wants to make more money. She is basically doing this so she can get more drugs. Because towards the end of the episode, you see her going through that duffel bag. or that suitcase actually, mind you. And she is smoking that shit, man. And you're just like, man, you're just doing this to get more drugs. You are fucking people over. But it gets to one scene where you're actually starting to really dislike Rue. And you're really just starting to get mad. And this is when she starts gaslighting Ali. But also bringing up shit. That was really close to him, man. And Ali, who's played by uh, Coleman Domingo, one of my favorite actors, uh, he, he shows us a side that we haven't seen in a minute. And this reminded me of something from that movie Zola, where he plays the pimp, man. And Jesus, like the way how it's delivered, how everything ends. You're just left with a mix of emotions. But overall, you're just mad, man. You're just absolutely mad. So,
5: Rue, the $64,000 question is what's in the suitcase?
0: School books.
5: Ah, is that why you're in that getup? You became an honor student.
0: I'm not in the mood for a lecture.
5: Lecture? like to think we have conversations. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Okay, what, did a hornet crawl up your ass or something? What's wrong with you?
0: Uh, Man, I'm not trying to hear a fucking lecture, okay, about how my life would be better if I stopped doing drugs or believed in God or or Allah or whatever the fuck.
5: Okay, well, you're the one looking like a Jehovah's Witness. I just don't think that there's uh, Bibles in that suitcase. (sighs) Shut the fuck up, (laughs) man. Excuse me? Shut the fuck up. Don't play that shit with me. I've always accepted you for who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. me, shut the fuck up I'm not some parent You can just treat like shit
0: Yeah well good thing Nobody's really
1: looking To be a fucking parent Yo Shit (laughs) fuck Oh no Oh no Fuck this Uh, What you're about to get here Is uh, The examples of an angry Sad Shocked And Unselfish black man Who does everything he can To help an addict And the addict is basically Not only gaslighting him But also just making him feel like shit let's continue
5: excuse me excuse me (laughs) when I sit across from you and tell you something about my life you didn't get to use that shit against me you cross that line again we're done you talk back right now we're done one more fucking disrespectful word out of your mouth and we're done you hear me hey you hear me
1: Yes, sir. Shit. Oh. Well, what, Ali? You hear me? that's basically what Rue did and I fucking love that button but um just everything with that scene and what Rue has been doing this entire season has been pissing me off and I feel like this is gonna come back to bite her in the ass man I mean this is just shit that's building up Over these episodes to where she is lying to people. She is gaslighting people and she is getting her way with manipulating others to get what she wants. And I feel like at towards the end of the season, we're going to get something like we did in season one where we're going to be very disappointed in her. But karma is going to come in and bite her in the ass, man. Like. I wouldn't be surprised if. She keeps doing this so much that people end up dropping her as a friend. Uh, Ali stops mentoring her and that she's just left on her own. And, you know, this is an interesting storyline because it really hits home for a lot of people who, who do shit like this. And this is one of the other aspects of a drug addict, which this show does an amazing job at portraying. And, uh, yeah, man, I just... I'm just starting not to really like Rue as much. And it's not a bad thing. This isn't a bad thing for the show. I really like it. It's just to get me this emotional, like, and the emotional part of me is just saying like, I really don't like Rue doing this. And I hate it when people do this too. So it's just ridiculous. But we, I think if this one last thing to talk about is just the whole Cal, Fez and Ash, you know, Ash situation where Cal is basically trying to play The tough guy is trying to make sure that uh, Fez doesn't fuck up his son. And he's trying to connect the dots. And the whole thing about Cal, Nate's dad, is that he has these discs that are basically him filming him having sex with different men and trans people. And he's figured out that one of his discs is gone. The one that he's had with, spoiler alert, he has sex with Jewel. Yeah, I know, that's fucked up. One of those fucked up things in the show. And it's just... Ooh, man, it's just, it's just how this goes down. Not only, we already know that Ash is a G-Man. We already know that Ash Trey is a G-Man. But seeing this, where he just calls out Cal's bluff, it's just, it's just crazy, man. I want to go ahead and try to find a scene. If I can't, then it is what it is. There's a, there's a lot of other scenes that I want to go ahead and get into because, Euphoria is such a good ass show man But uh There we go Yeah Ashtray gets Cal This one right here is just Not only is it just brutal But you really are just like Man you want a down nigga Get you a guy like Ashtray man Because he is that nigga
0: He wouldn't go down without a fight.
1: a gotcha, bitch. What
0: the fuck you doing?
7: So first you come to my fucking job, asking all these weird-ass questions like the feds. Then I find you out front of my house. What the fuck are
5: you doing, man? You're free to call the cops. Why the fuck would I do that? Well, it's either call the cops, let me go, or kill me.
7: What the fuck, man? What's with your family? Are you all just a bunch of fucking
5: assholes? You beat up my son. Yeah, well, he deserved it, man. He's a fucking bitch. Oh, okay, tough guy. Ow! Fuck! Why did you do that?
2: Because you're in no position to talk shit.
5: I'm warning you. You hit me. Fuck!
2: Why don't you call the cops?
5: The chief of police, Will Greenwood. Mm -hmm. All right, Ash, chill out, man. Fuck!
2: I don't want the fucking cops involved Watch Call the cops I will <laughs> Die old bitch oh. If you got nothing to hide Call the fucking cops Stop oh. I'm not fucking Stop. stopping Stop. I'm not stopping, call the cops
1: I told you Jesus fucking Christ, man! Like, here's my thing. What made that scene so good was that in the beginning, you you're thinking that okay, they're probably just gonna you're gonna do like a little comedic thing where they like they did with the whole why are you dress like the girl in Oklahoma. And no, this takes a really dark turn because you know you know damn well ashtray can literally kill this man. We just seen him kill a grown ass kill two two grown ass men in, in episode one. And you know he's gonna come in with that shit, man. So don't fuck with Ashtray, and don't fuck with Fez, man. And I felt like what made this so so sweet is that Cal thought he could use his connection as a more or less a like a a a middle upper to upper class man to to get around with bullshitting these people who are just drug dealers, man. But he realizes that they're not as dumb as they as he thinks, and that's the whole fallacy of just people. Who just followed like social construct, like social classes, and just thinks that anyone below him is just dumber. And just if you have more connections, you can get a lot. It's like, nah, man, it doesn't always work like that. But that being said, man, those are like my favorite moments from the sh- from the episode. I really like it so far. I mean, season two has done a really good job with its pacing, its filmmaking, its acting, and its storytelling. And I can't wait for episode four. I feel like I can go on for hours and hours talking about this show and its characters, and I feel like I'll spend that on a special episode with other people who have watched it because I'm just one guy. I would love to get other perspectives on it, but that's just how I feel, man. Like this, this episode, I think if I have to give it a rating, I, I give it like a cool nine out of ten, and it's been fairly consistent. I mean, episode one's a ten out of ten for me. Episode two uh, is an eight out of ten because there were some things I didn't like, but. This one right here, it's a 9 out of 10, man. I really liked it. it if there was only one thing I just didn't really like too uh, too much is that uh, I am starting to recognize that a lot of the flashbacks and montages are taking up space of the story. And that it's causing, you know, things to be a little bit longer than what they should be. But the only reason it gives a pass for me is that they're entertaining. It tells the story and the narration there just Gets you hooked. I mean, Zendaya is a master narrator in this show, man. So that's the only thing I can say is like a is a is a con for me in season two. But that's it, man. That is it for the review discussion for Euphoria uh, season two, episode three, man. Really like last week's last weekend's episode. I can't speak right now. I'm tired. But after this, after this whole commercial break. We're gonna go ahead and just talk about why I love my favorite movies of all time, *Goodwill Hunting*. Uh, I don't want you guys to miss this. This will be awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Midnight Drop. My name's Jordan Malone. We'll be right back after this. Pretty much it for like our last break of the day because this is gonna be our last entire. Uh, this is gonna be our last. I'm getting tired. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sleepy. Uh, this is gonna be our last uh, topic of the day. This is something that I kind of wanted to talk about. This is something I haven't done in a minute, uh, but it's also the first of many for this year, man. And it's actually going to be a whole discussion on just an uh, uh, an old movie. That I very much appreciate uh, to this day. That I love. That I adore. I can have a a long ass conversation with somebody. I actually did a while ago, and I very much appreciate it. It's awesome. But um, it's called Goodwill Hunting. And if you don't know what Goodwill Hunting is, and if you don't, then goddamn, you need to get down on that shit, man. Uh, Goodwill Hunting is a film uh, that stars Matt Damon. Uh, Robin Williams, Ben Affleck, and I want to actually go and see if it was directed by. I've never figured out who was, what this movie was, who directed this film. But it's played by, you know, the three I just m- mentioned Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, uh, and Robin Williams. It is directed by Gus Van Sant, and it's actually written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And what makes this movie so interesting. So crazy, what makes it a landmark in film history is that this movie was written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon when they were just 25 years old. It's considered one of the most well-written stories by two amazing actors to this day, man. Um, I'll give you some background. When I had first watched this film, I was basically in my uh, study room at Morehouse School of Medicine just on Netflix studying for exams and i was just feeling like man i need something to pass through the day so i put on netflix well before i put on netflix i went to taco bell because uh, i was hungry as fuck and i don't usually eat taco bell but at college i ate the shit out of it you I, I i did not care but um <laughs> no i i after i went to go to taco bell I came back to the study room and i put on netflix and i wanted to watch something that was good and I heard of Goodwill Hunting through a lot of you know my friends and you know just a lot of film critics think it's one of their favorite movies, and I was like, what the hell? I'll watch this and I want to see what it's all about. You know, I really like Matt Damon, I really like Ben Affleck, I really like Robin Williams. You know, Robin Williams plays in a lot of comedies, but also plays in a lot of dramas and real emotional roles that I really much appreciate, and. Oh, man, you know, towards the end of this movie, I came out with so many thoughts in my head and so many things that would change my perspective on so many things later down the road. And I really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate this film. And we're going to go ahead and get started by playing the trailer for Goodwill Hunting so you can get a sense of what it's all about. And we'll be right back with this entire discussion. Fuck We gotta wait for ads I don't know why we waiting for ad- YouTube ads are just fucked up man Oh my god We got five seconds Alright like I said This is a trailer for Goodwill Hunting And we will be right back With our discussion
5: On the campus Of one of America's leading universities
8: There is a problem the main hallway chalkboard it took my colleagues and I more than two years to prove. It. And I'm hoping that one of you might prove it by the end of the semester.
5: The most gifted mind to ever enter its
1: classrooms. This is correct. Who did this? Jesus Christ! These trailers look pretty bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, I've never watched a trailer for this film, but goddamn, this. This trailer is giving me huge, like, nostalgia vibes, man. In a world. (laughs) It's just like, what the fuck? But let's continue, man.
5: Is the person who cleans its floors.
8: I just need the name of this guy who works in my
1: building. Got this job through his P.O. You can call him. P.O.? Parole officer.
5: Meet Will Hunting. I've been looking over this rap sheet of yours. Assault.
8: Theft. Resisting. I've spoken to the judge, and he's agreed to release you under of my supervision. Really? You have to meet with a the therapist every week.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good!
5: <laughs> For the first time in his life, he's about to meet his match. How many shrinks you go to before me? Five. Well, this boy's genius is unparalleled. I need someone who can get through to
3: him. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. I went on a date last week. Going out again? I don't know. This girl's like, you know, beautiful. She's smart.
6: She's fun. She's like perfect right now. I don't want to ruin that. Maybe you're
8: perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. Have you talked to him at all about his future? Give him time to figure out what he wants. This boy has that gift. Can you imagine if Einstein would have given that up just to get drunk with his buddies every night?
5: Some people can never believe in themselves.
6: I can't learn anything from you unless you want to talk about you. Until someone believes in them. You can do anything you want. You are bound by nothing.
7: And you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. I'd do anything
5: to have what you got. And some never know how much they can have. I love you. Until they discover how much they can give. Academy Award winner Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Stellan Skarsgård, and Minnie Driver... For nine Academy Awards
1: Yeah God damn Man that trailer just gave out everything It didn't give out any other scenes But god it gave out some good scenes though man. God damn Oh my gosh Uh, Yeah but that's basically Good Will Hunting and I want to go ahead and start off With just what this movie is all about So if the trailer Didn't just tell you enough uh, Basically there's this character played by Matt Damon named Will Hunting and he is a janitor slash construction worker that works with his best friend, uh, Ben Affleck. You know Chucky Chucky Sullivan, who is also played by Ben Affleck. Who you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are best friends in real life. And you know, essentially, Will Hunting is you know while he's working as a janitor, he solves one of the hardest math problems that even it took years uh, for a professor at MIT the fix and stuff. And you know, he, he, the the professor ends up finding out that will is a genius and that he wants to go ahead and use him to be just like the professor, just like him itself, where he wants to use his gifts to get him all the riches in the world so that maybe he can get some notoriety too. And then as he tries to get him and tries to figure out, he realizes that he's a troubled guy. He has some stuff going along. He's very sarcastic He's petty. So he ends up reaching out to one of his old college friends that, you know, who ended up had a huge falling out, uh, who's played by, you know, Robin Williams, who's Dr. Sean McGuire. And Dr. McGuire and Will end up having this huge conversation while at the same time, uh, Will is in his relationship with Skyler, who's played by Minnie Driver. And throughout this entire movie, you're getting basically the unpacking. Of Will Hunting's personality, his issues, and the things that he strives for in his life. While also understanding more of certain characters like Chucky, Dr. McGuire, Professor, like Professor Gerald Lambeau. Who's played by like Stellan Skarsgård. Including Skyler in some cases. And if there's one thing that gets me in this film. Is that the storytelling in here is one of the best stories that I have seen in a very long time. And it will always hold up in time as well. Because not only is it good. And it's a compelling story. they may have some predictable routes. It's a very relatable and relevant film today. You know. When you look at it. You're looking at a film that. Well not looking at it. You're watching a film that. It's relatable to you because in some situations you're seeing will kind of just saying, I don't know what I want to do in my life. And you at one point didn't know what the fuck you wanted to do in your life. Right. You thought that you could just settle doing an ordinary job, just doing this and saying, I'm going to go forward with it. And, you know, you know, today you would say it's not that relatable because we have more people trying to be entrepreneurs. We have more people trying to uh, go for the gold. But. I would say that's just what you see in social media and what you see in other places. There are definitely a lot of people who are just settling for just what they want to do because of either some shit that happened to them in the past or they really think that they want to mount it to anything else and that they're just fine where they're at. And what this movie does, the story here, is just really good at showing it out. You want to disagree on that, fine. Okay, let's let's disagree on that. You can agree on this, though. The story does a really good job in showing what it's like to going through therapy and the importance of it and how you can't just go through therapy and just some guy has this award-winning book and can just say, like, I can read you like a mind or anything. No, real therapy is what we're trying to strive for now, to where you're having a good conversation with somebody, You're telling stories, you learn from those stories, you exchange perspectives, and you become a better person as a whole. That's what it is. And it shows the importance of therapy to people like Will and others across, you know, the world or something like that. And that being involved with the storytelling, it has it runs the risk of feeling like it's being forced, but it's not. It's very smooth it's very fluid it goes through and it really just goes at it. it it goes at it to to progress the story but to make you just sit down and just think like shit have i been in that situation before like you start feeling for these characters because you're really just like i really want will to get the help he wants i want him to understand dr mcguire i want him to listen to him because he's just being hard-headed as hell because Will, in this entire film played by Matt Damon, is basically a, a gifted genius who doesn't realize that he's a gifted genius. And when he does realize it, he doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, I'm just working. I'm just trying to do all this I can because I'm just trying to get away from my parole officer. Which, by the way, uh, he's in jail for beating up a kid and for theft and for all these different charges. Uh, which plays into this hilarious scene of him re- reciting like old court cases to, you know, defend himself and you know it's like the whole thing of the gifted genius and he just doesn't realize what he's sitting on that may not be too relatable because it's not that many gifted geniuses but there is a point where you can say it's relatable to where you have either met somebody or you may have like a brother or a sister or your, your parents know somebody. Or it's just like, yeah, they they were really smart. They could do a lot of good things, man. Or they were good at this one thing, but they didn't really give a fuck. They were just cool what they wanted to do. And they knew they were good at it, and they just didn't give a fuck. That's what this movie talks about. That, that's what Will is. Will is that friend or that person you know that is smart as hell and they're just like you could do so many things but they're just like no nah, i'm good here and it's not just about how about i'm happy where i'm at they'll say that they're happy but they're really not they're miserable they they're just they just don't want to do anything but they feel like that's all what they got in life and that's what's so good about goodwill hunting man there's just so many themes and stories with it and i want to go ahead and put out a whole scene uh for you guys to kind of figure out like kind of see what i'm talking about with will uh, just how smart he is, man. And I'm gonna play the scene where, like, Will Matt Damon is solving the math challenge that has taken students like days and weeks to finish. That's every- after we get through this commercial, but what you'll see here is that you'll see how well—not see—you'll hear how smart Will is, and like how much of a genius he is. Because this is a crazy math problem. But later on down the road, you'll get to see a little bit more, man.
8: I also put an advanced Fourier system on the main hallway chalkboard, and I'm hoping that one of you might prove it by the end of the semester. And the person to do so will not only be in my good graces, but also go on to fame and fortune by having their accomplishment recorded and their name printed in the auspicious MIT Tech. Former winners include Nobel laureates, Fields Medal winners, renowned astrophysicists, and lowly MIT professors. Well, that's all. If you have any questions, I'm sure that Tom has the
1: answers. (laughs) Fuck Tom, by the way. So, just want to go ahead and point this out. This is when Matt is basically seeing the math the math problem and he's just like yeah I want to go ahead and solve this shit real quick man and he's just doing his job as a janitor man Hello? Yes?
4: I'm in your applied
2: theories class we're all up at the math and science building
8: come on. it's Saturday unless you want to have a drink with me
1: tonight ah <laughs> <No>. uh, shit <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> that you can't be doing that shit nowadays god Oh yeah, I think that's the one thing. I oh, know there's a there's a couple things in this film that doesn't age well, but I think that's one of the first ones. <laughs> we
8: just couldn't wait until Monday to find out. Find out what? Who proved the theorem? This is correct. Who did this? Jack. It wasn't me. (laughs) The No way. Is this my imagination, or has my class grown considerably? Well, by no stretch of my imagination do I believe you've all come here to hear me lecture, or rather to ascertain the identity of the mystery math magician. So without further ado, come forward to Silent Road and receive thy prize. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint my spectators, but it seems there will be no unmasking here today. However, um, my colleagues and I have conferred, and there is a problem on the board right now. That took us more than two years to prove. So let this be said. The gauntlet has been thrown down, but the faculty have answered, and answered with figures.
1: Here goes Matt Damon. Here goes Will, solving that problem again. Here comes the professor.
8: Sorry. What do you do? Sorry. That's people's work. You can't graffiti here. Don't you walk away from me? Hey, fuck you. Oh, <laughs> you're a clever one. What's your name?
1: That's basically how we get introduced to this, this whole thing that he's a he is a gifted genius. He's able to do so many other things. And then the professor is just like, wow, I assumed that he was just a lowly janitor who didn't give a fuck. But no, I'm dealing with somebody who is crazy smart and should not be in the in the position that he is in anymore. That that is that is something. And I won't say it's one of my favorite scenes because it's just something that just sets up the entire story. But one of my favorite scenes that shows how smart he is and how his character is as a whole throughout this entire movie, in the including in the beginning, is him at the bar. And I feel like this is the one where it's like you have a very memorable scene on top of other memorable scenes that you are just going to be like, wow, I <laughs> this is not only hilarious, but it hits home. And I'm not going to play the whole clip because I want to be able to I don't want to show you guys the whole entire fucking movie but you know set the scene matt damon's here just here chilling you know with his best friends they're going to this mit i think it was a harvard or it was a harvard bar and uh you know they're trying to act smart but turns out there's this is one dude who's a grad student and he's just like i'm a, expose the fuck out of you and then it's just being a snobby prick but here this is will's response when it comes to defending his friends and towards a snobby prick like we see right now
7: insight into the evolution of the market economy in the southern colonies my contention is that uh, prior to the revolutionary war the economic modalities especially in the southern colonies could most aptly be characterized as agrarian pre-capital. All right,
3: of course that's your on, You're a first-year grad student. You just got finished reading some Moxian historian, Pete Garrison, probably. You're going to be convinced of that until next month when you get to James Lemon. Then you're going to be talking about how the economies of Virginia and Pennsylvania were entrepreneurial and capitalist way back in 1740. That's going to last until next year. You're going to be in here regurgitating Gordon Wood, talking about, you know, the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital forming effects of military mobilization.
7: As a matter of fact, I won't because Wood drastically underestimates the impact of social distinctions. Wood
3: drastically underestimates the impact of social distinctions predicated upon wealth, especially inherited wealth. You got that from Vickers. Work in Essex County, page 98, right? Yeah, I read that too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? Do you have any thoughts of of your own on this matter? But is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own. As your own idea just to impress some girls, embarrass my friend. See, the sad thing about a guy like you is in 50 years, you're gonna start doing some thinking on your own and you're gonna come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 grand on a education you could've got for a dollar 50 in late charges at the public library.
7: (laughs) Yeah, but I will have a degree and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-thru on our way to a skiing trip. Yeah, maybe. Yeah,
3: but at least I won't be unoriginal. But I mean, if you have a problem like that, I mean, we could just step outside, we could figure it out.
7: Nah, <laughs> oh, man, there's no problem. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah,
3: cool. Yeah. Alright, this is cool. How
7: you
1: like me now? <laughs> this is no good. My boy's waiting, Smack. Yeah, that's a, that's a great scene, man. And we have so many more to go through, but like what it is it you're sitting there, you're watching this. You're not only laughing because it's because Will Hunting is schooling this guy, but you're also there, you're realizing, wow. Like if you're at college right now, undergrad or grad, you're realizing, wow, a lot of the classes you're taking, you don't have to go you don't have to go through this shit. You can just read a book, go to the library, read, or as in this case, go to the internet. You know, go through some research articles, go through some online textbooks, watch some videos on YouTube. You could do online classes and you don't have to pay as much money as it is going through two to four, like, you know, four years of undergrad, two years of graduate school, two and a half, depending on your, you know, your program. And just having to spend all this money on stuff that you really, really don't have to know. You really don't have to go to school and drop all that money for you can just go online and go figure that out or in this case, go to the library back in, the, you know, back in the back in the past. And, you know, for me, it just really hit home because, you know, Morehouse is expensive as fuck, man. Morehouse is a very expensive HBCU to go to, man. Not only is it, you know, it's private, but it's just so many people try to get in there It's competitive and I think I paid about $50,000 every year, except for the whole entire COVID year. Cause that was bullshit. And um, I mean, just being in that situation is like, yeah, the library is a great source of information, a great source of learning. And that's how you kind of figure out how Matt Damon's character, Will hunting is able to learn all of this, how to be this smart. Cause he just spends his time in the library and just genuinely want to hear this stuff and learn it. So much and I, and I feel like this can be a little bit of a criticism is that he's able to recite the entire syllabus of a first year to second year grad school program down to the T and also which books to not only read, but what pages to read and what certain passages to read. I feel like I've seen I've heard some people say, like, that's a little bit unrealistic. No one's going to ever do that. I I feel like it's not. Some, I feel like it's something that you can do. Do it's really hard, but it's supposed to fit in the mold that he is a gifted genius. He is an anomaly. He he is he is a shining star in front of a bunch of other duds, man. Um, there's another scene in here where basically Will is able to get the number of Skyler. Uh, and I really want to try to find it real quick. I don't think I will, man. But we're gonna try to keep going for the sake of time. There are so many things in here that really get me man and that's when we start to kind of get introduced to um Dr. Lambo, played by Robin Williams like we went past these scenes where uh oh is it Dr. Lambo? no oh man I fucked up <laughs> I really fucked up no but Dr. McGuire, Dr. Lambo, we had gone through all these scenes where he's trying to help Matt Damon basically uh Will is going through a situation to where he can see, uh, you know, a considerable time in prison. But uh, Doctor Lambo strikes a deal with the judge, saying, "If you, you know, work under me, uh, I, you know, and you kind of help out with whatever I want to do with you, I can, you know, get you. I, I can make you good with your parole officer. You don't have to go to jail. You'll be all good to go." And that's the whole thing, you know. Let me help you, and you help me, and you know, you go through all these different scenes to where. You know, Dr. Lambeau is trying to get different, phys- uh, psych- you know, psychiatrists to help him out. And he's just like, he's a lost cause. So then Dr. Lambeau goes after Dr. McGuire, one of his old friends from MIT, who ends up becoming a psychology professor at a community college. And it's supposed to be the stark contrast between Dr. Lambeau, who is a, you know, he says he's a lowly MIT student, but, uh, MIT professor. But really, he's like one of the best professors they have at that program at that school while Dr. McGuire with all the knowledge he has chooses to only just teach people who are just getting an associate's degree or just want to take one class and that's it just so they can get through it for their jobs at a community college. And you see this and you're already fascinated because number one, it's Robin Williams, who's one of the best comedians and actors around that time who was on a roll with movies like, uh, the dead poet society. Uh, and, And it's just seeing him in this role interacting with other, with other characters, which is a sight to behold, man. Uh, I want to try to get to the earliest scenes of this whole movie and just get you a sense of what it's all about. Just what he is. And there's that one point where Will meets with Dr. McGuire and Will is having this whole knack to where it's just like, okay, I can read you like a book. I can do this to you. And it would just show that your work is meaningless. And, You know, he ends up getting fucked around and Will is just like, oh, this is going to be a little harder than I thought. But then he makes a quick dig to McGuire that's just like, man, it's petty as hell. And one of it is just he makes a whole thing about his about his wife. And if you don't know in this movie, Dr. McGuire is, you know, is kind of suffering from like he suffered through a huge loss. And that was the loss of his wife uh, due to her being really sick and you're seeing this throughout the entire film where he has stories about her but this is one of the first big conversations that you know Robin Williams and Matt Damons had in this movie and it's a sight to behold and again another great scene and a collection of great scenes let's get into it man and then that Miramax so what's this the taste his choice moment between guys
3: this is really nice you got to think, for swans, is this like a fetish? It's something like
6: maybe we need to devote some time to. Thought about what you said to me the other day about my painting. Huh. I Stayed up half the night thinking about it. Something occurred to me. I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep, and I haven't thought about you since. You know what occurred to me? Oh. You're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea of what you're talking about. Why, thank you. It's all right. You've never been out of Boston? Nope. So if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo. You know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? But you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. Seen that. If I ask you about women, you probably give me a silver of your personal favourites. You may have even been laid a few times. you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. When I ask you about war, you'd probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap. and you Watch him gasp his last breath, looking to you for help. I ask you about love. You probably quote me a sonnet, but you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes, feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you, who could rescue you from the depths of hell, and you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel. To have that love for her, be there forever, through anything. Through cancer, And you would know about sleeping sitting up in a hospital room for two months holding her hand because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared, shitless kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one denies that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me because you saw a painting of mine you ripped my fucking life apart. You're an orphan, right? do you think I'd know the first thing about how hard your life has been? How you feel? Who you are? Because I read all of twist. Does that encapsulate you? Personally, I don't give a shit about all that because you know what? I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some fucking book. Unless you want to talk about you. Who you are. And I'm fascinated. I'm in. But you don't want to do that to your sport. You're terrified of what you might say. You
1: move, Chief. And that's how you make a masterpiece of a film. (laughs) By having scenes like that. Because you keep going on and on and on with scenes that are that good, and it's not because it's it's so big on a dramatic scene on the on a drama, it's not too big on the dramatics, it's not too big on the spectacle. It's really just all about how do you use great dialogue to deliver a message and to bring something that not only makes you feel tense but makes you feel so satisfied to what's going to happen towards the end. Well does happen towards the end mind you and I guess that's one big thing I love about this movie is the dialogue the dialogue here is so good and it just shows how well written this script and this story is from both of these actors Ben Affleck and Matt Damon at such a young age and I think it's kind of like if I compare this to basketball it's kind of like the whole thing with Jason Tatum when he was just playing. You know, Jason Tatum, the small forward for the Boston Celtics, when he was just playing with the Boston. Well, I was about to say Boston Celtics twice. When he was just playing with them, and it was his first couple of years, he's like, he's like, he's only twenty years old, or he's only nineteen years old. This man is a beast that's what it felt like when this movie first came out with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing. And it. it's just like, they're just 25. How is this possible? Because there are so many people who work their entire lives to get a script like this, to get an amazing movie uh, made based on something they've writ- written. And Matt and Ben were able to do this uh, in a short amount of time. And it's so good, man. It is so, so good. You know, I'm on a roll, man. I want to keep going and talking about scenes. Uh, that that really hit home But progressing through the movie You're getting like these quick dialogues Of uh, You're getting these quick dialogues Between You know Will and Dr. McGuire uh, But you also get other Dialogues and stuff from uh, You know characters Such as both the professors here And it just shows like how tense they are Into this overarching argument about You know what's going on And like what's the best for them Because we're already getting a sense of just Dr. Lambeau is trying to use him to get a lot of notoriety for not only himself, but you know, for will, because it's like, I see a lot in him. It's like, you don't deserve to be in this position. You don't deserve to be poor. Like be up here with me. We're making a lot of money and we're, we're allowed to be all good and stuff. And, and that just says a lot to just, it just says a lot to like, why like, like, ulterior motives and just are you doing this out of the goodness out of your heart or are you doing this because there's something in it for you or is it a mixture of both because for me it feels like a mixture you know dr maguire he, dr lambo i'm sorry is i guess shown as an antagonist for this entire film but i don't really think he is an antagonist I really feel like he's just another character. There is no protagonist or antagonist in this film. It's just a group of characters just living out their lives and playing roles. And I think for Dr. Lambeau, played by Stellan Skarsgård, he is somebody who is playing the role of... We are trying to make sure we get him to where he needs to be because Will, mind you, to be specific, we're trying to get Will to a position like I am... Because I see a lot in him. He is a gifted talent. He can do so much work so much work for the world. But then you get to the argument of Dr. McGuire, where it's just like, no, we don't need to we don't need to help him just so that he can do a lot of things and just be like you because you're not all that great, mind you. We want to help him so that he can be a happy human being, a well-off human being that can love, live, and laugh. Because you just went from this whole big thing where Dr. McGuire just chews on Will and it's just like, you may be one of the smartest people in the world. You're gifted. We'll give you that. But things you haven't realized that you don't know how what really love is. You, don't, you haven't really felt the world. You've never been outside of Boston. You haven't been out there. Like, you're book smart. We get it. You're book smart. You're talented. But you're not... It's kind of like you're not street smart. You don't realize what the world is out there. And you have so much more to learn. And it's just like... We want to help you learn, but we also need to help you into becoming a whole human being and getting down to the root of your problem, why you feel this way. And there are two scenes that get into this whole dynamic between Dr. Maguire and Dr. Uh, Lambeau. And I'm going to play the first one where they're basically at a bar and they just have like a whole debate. This- oh, hold on, there's a commercial. Oh, there's going to be a commercial for a movie I might go watch this weekend. Bad. It's totally off topic, but... Yeah man We're just going from Scene to scene to scene I know I said I didn't want to show you The whole movie But You you gotta get a sense Of how good this movie is By listening to these scenes And listening how good A dialogue is this Because I swear to God Like I really want to make sure I do this in video format again And, and just go it over With other people man Thanks man Yeah thank
8: you So you don't get Sticky fingers right? Tim can you help us we're trying to settle a bet. Uh oh. You ever heard of Jonas Salk?
7: Sure, cure polio.
8: You've heard of Albert Einstein? <laughs> How about Gerald Lambeau? Ever heard of him? No. Thank you, Tim. So who won the bet? I did. <laughs> this isn't about me, Sean. Nothing compared to this young man. You over here with Gerald Lambeau? In 1905, there were hundreds of professors renowned for their study of the universe, but it was, a, it was a 26-year-old Swiss patent clerk doing physics in his spare time who changed the world. Can you imagine if Einstein would have given that up just to get drunk with his buddies in Vienna every night? We all would have lost something. Tim would never have heard of him. Pretty dramatic, Jerry No, it isn't, Sean This boy has that gift He just hasn't got the direction But we can give that to him Hey, Jerry In the
4: 1960s, there was a young man Graduated from University of Michigan Did some brilliant work in mathematics Specifically, bounded harmonic functions Then he went on to Berkeley Was assistant professor Showed amazing potential Then he moved to Montana And he blew the competition away
8: Yeah, so who was he?
6: Ted Kaczynski I've heard of him Hey, Timmy.
5: Yo.
8: Who's Ted Kaczynski?
5: Uniball.
8: <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. we got to give this kid direction. Yeah, he, he can you. contribute to the world, and, and we can help him do that. Direction's one thing. Manipulation's another. All well, right? Sean. You have to let him find it. Sean, I'm not sitting at home every night twisting my mustache and hatching a, hatching a plan to ruin this boy's life. I was doing advanced mathematics when I was... When I was eighteen, and it still took me over twenty years to do something worthy of a Fields Medal.
6: Well, maybe he doesn't want what you want. There's more to life than a fucking Fields Medal. This is too
8: important, Sean.
1: And that's and that's the whole big deal is that there's this argument to be had towards like, are you actually helping the boy? Are you manipulating him to get to some stuff? And it also kind of gets into a little bit of argument to my my point or to my opinion. The idea of an extrinsic. Or intrinsic values? Like, what do you care more? Do you care more about the awards, the prestige, the money, uh, the status? Or do you care more uh, just about becoming a better person yourself? uh, Becoming more well in in terms of your being. more have a better well-being, I guess. Uh, Being more aware of your surroundings, your environment. And to understanding the fallacies of your own self and also humans. And kind of learning from that and being a better person down the road for not only others, but for yourself, importantly. And I, I really like these different conversations. and I'm gonna get into this last scene uh, with both the professors and kind of get you a sense of like where this argument, this debate has escalated. This is a disaster, Sean.
2: I brought you in here because I wanted you to help me with the boy, not to run him out. I know what I'm doing with the boy. I don't care if you have a rapport with the boy. I don't care if you have a few laughs, even at my expense, but don't you dare undermine what I'm trying to do here. Undermine. This boy is at a fragile point right now. I do
4: understand. He is at a fragile point, okay? He's got problems.
2: Well, what problems does he have, Sean? That he's better off as a janitor? That he's better off in jail? Better off hanging out with a bunch of retarded gorillas? Oh, why do you think
4: he does that, Jerry? Do you have any fucking clue why? Hmm? He can handle the problems. He can handle the work. And he obviously handled you. Jerry, listen to me. Listen. Why is he hiding? Why doesn't he trust anybody? Because the first thing that happened to him, he was abandoned by the people who were supposed to love him the oh, most. Oh, come on, don't give me that for you right. No, listen, Jerry, and why does he hang out with those retarded gorillas, as you call them? Because any one of them, if he asked them to, would take a fucking bat to your head, okay? That's called loyalty. Yeah, it's very touching. And who's he handling? He pushes people away before they have a chance to leave him. It's a defense mechanism, all right? And for 20 years, he's been alone because of that. And if you push him right now, it's going to be the same thing all over again, and I'm not going to let that happen to him don't you do that, Sean. What, Jerry? Don't you do that. Don't infect him with the idea that it's okay to quit, that it's okay to be a failure, because it's
2: not okay, Sean. And if you're angry at me for being being successful, for being what you could have been, Sean... I'm not angry at you, Jerry. Oh, yes, you're angry at me, Sean. You resent me, but I'm not going to apologize for any, any success I've had. You're angry at me for doing what you could have done, but ask yourself, Sean. Ask yourself if you want Will to feel that way, if you want him to feel like a failure. Oh, you
4: arrogant shit. That's why I don't come to the goddamn reunions. Because I can't stand that look in your eye. You know, that condescending, embarrassed look. You think I'm a failure. I know who I am, and I'm proud of what I do. It was a conscious choice. I didn't fuck up. And you and your cronies think I'm some sort of pity case. You and your kiss ass chorus following you around going, to The Fields Medal, The Fields Medal. Why are you still so fucking <laughs> afraid of failure?
2: It's about my medal, is it? Oh, God, I can go home and get it for you. You can have it. Oh,
4: please don't. You that- know what, Jerry? Shove the medal up your fucking ass, alright? Because I don't give a shit about your medal, because I knew you before you were a mathematical god when you were pimple-faced and homesick and didn't know what side of the bed to piss on. Yeah,
2: you were smarter than me then, and you're smarter than me now, so don't blame me for how your life turned out. It's not my fault.
4: I don't blame you. It's not about you, you mathematical dick. It's about the boy. He's a good kid, and I won't see you fuck him up like you're trying to fuck up me right now. I won't see you make him feel like a failure, too. He won't be a failure, Sean. But, but if you push him, Jerry, if you run him. I am
1: what I
2: am today because I was pushed and because I learned to push myself. you.
1: You get that? Jesus just walked into a wrong problem. But nah, man, it's just, it's so good being in this position. It it, it feels so good to listen to something like this. And I I think I'll kind of just get off to more of just (laughs) dick riding this whole movie. But you know movies are so good. You know a movie is good when, like, you can listen to this without watching it. Like, not, kind of listen to an audio form. Just listen to the dialogue. And you're just in tune with it you're 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 interested, you're invested into it and you want to see what happens. That's how you know a movie is so well written. That's how you know it has great dialogue. Th- that's how you know a film is a great film. And, and that's just something I want to put out, but I think something you can also say regarding you know Dr. Lambo is that he's also trying to get Will played by Matt Damon to get into a situation to where He's at a position that Dr. Lambeau wishes he was in because you see that part where it's just like Dr. McGuire is saying you are afraid of you are afraid that he will become just like you a failure. And you would think, no, Dr. Lambeau is not a failure. He's working at MIT, one of the most prestigious universities in the world. He's he's well liked. He's well renowned throughout the entire university. But there's always something to where people want to be perfectionists. that there are so many things that we miss that people say they missed out on that they sometimes project into others. And want them to do well because that's what they've always wanted to do. So that if they said that, okay, I've been able to do this for somebody, that can give me a lot and that can give me a lot of closure in my life. Saying, okay, I didn't get to it. but At least I was able to get someone that acted like me to get there. So in, in, in extension, I got there too. And I guess this whole movie has another theme where it talks about like projecting things into others for your own good, for your own interest. And that's the fucked up part. And it just it's just great banter between, between both of them. That's what this movie does a great job. Banter between people. Great dialogue. Great conversations. And I guess that's also attributed to something else. The filmmaking, the directing, and just how everything just feels so natural. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel like they just added any type of practicals or... You know, we're just gonna play this out and just see how we can do and stretch it out. No, this the, it feels like they just grab, it. just like a hero, just like other films that I've really liked so far. Is that they just picked up a camera, they just put it on, they just put it on a tripod, or just held it over their shoulder and just said, "All right, um, go through the script." But uh, hey, just have a good conversation. Just make sure it's in tone with the movie. All right, go, 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 and uh, action. And uh, it's so freaking. Good, just how the director is able to get this out of them. But really, you remember when I I try to ask, like, who's the director? Because at, at some points, you don't even think there's a director into this. You just think there's just someone who's just grabbing a camera and just saying, okay, just, I just want to film these guys around. Because that's how good it is, man. But having said all that, I want to get into uh, some other stuff that I thought were really cool scenes. Um,. Man, there was one great scene here where Will is finally getting some job opportunities and is now getting interviewed, I guess, by uh, the State Department or I guess the government uh, for a position where he can make a lot of money. He can do a lot of good stuff. It's the NSA job. Yeah, it's the NSA job interview scene. And this, to me, was another great one. And and again, another set of, great scenes throughout this entire film where basically will is sitting down is chilling going to this interview nonchalant and he's giving us a whole entire reason to why shouldn't he work at the nsa and i think at this point it's relatable and it's very relevant for the movie at the time a little bit into the future afterwards and a little bit to now and i'll kind of explain afterwards but just listen to it and i think you'll get my understanding After this ad break, which they have another one. God damn it, YouTube. All right, let's get it. So
3: why do you think I should work for the National Security Agency? Well, you'd be working on the cutting edge. You'd be exposed to the kind of technology that
7: you wouldn't see anywhere else because we've classified it. Super string theory, chaos math, advanced algorithms. Code breaking. Uh,
3: That's one aspect of what we do. Oh, come on. I mean, that is what you do. You guys handle 80% of the intelligence workload. You're seven times the size of the CIA.
7: We don't like to brag about that, Will. But you're exactly right. So the way I see it, the question isn't, why should you work for the NSA? The question is,
3: why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't I work for the NSA? It's a tough one <laughs> but I'll take a shot say I'm working at the NSA and somebody puts a code on my desk something no one else can break maybe I take a shot at it and maybe I break it and I'm real happy with myself because I did my job well but maybe that code was the location of some rebel army in North Africa or the Middle East and once they have that location they bomb the village where the rebels are hiding 1500 people that I never met never had no problem with get killed now the politicians are saying oh send in the marines to secure the area because they don't give a shit it won't be their kid over there getting shot just like it wasn't them when their number got called because they were all pulling a tour in the National Guard. It'll be some kid from Southie over there taking shrapnel in the ass. He comes back to find that the plant he used to work at got exported to the country he just got back from and the guy who put the shrapnel in his ass got his old job because he'll work for 15 cents a day and no bathroom breaks. Meanwhile, he realizes the only reason he was over there in the first place was so that we could install a government that would sell us oil at a good price and, of course, the oil companies use a little skirmish over there to scare up domestic oil prices. It's a cute little ancillary benefit for them. But it ain't helping my buddy at $2.50 a gallon They're taking their sweet time bringing the oil back Of course, maybe they even took the liberty of hiring an alcoholic skipper Who likes to drink martinis and fucking play slalom with the icebergs It ain't too long till he hits one Spills the oil and kills all the sea life in the North Atlantic So now my buddy's out of work He can't afford to drive So he's walking to the fucking job interviews, which sucks Because the shrapnel in his ass is giving him chronic hemorrhoids And meanwhile he's starving Because every time he tries to get a bite to eat The only blue plate special they're serving is North Atlantic scrod with Quaker State So what did I think? I'm holding out for something better. I figure, fuck it, while I'm at it, why not just shoot my buddy, take his job, give it to his sworn enemy, hike up gas prices, bomb a village, club a baby seal, hit the hash pipe, and join the National Guard. I could be elected president.
1: That's just just how I feel. That's just how I feel when it comes to every fucking scene in this movie, including that one, man, like what you basically got is just a rundown of what the, go- how the U S government can get us ourselves into fucking wars. Like we've seen in the last couple of years, like we've seen in the last two decades and just how he breaks that down and just how it transitions from just him being in that interview room to just him being in the, in the therapist room. It's just like, wow, and you're just so enthralled because you're catching everything. And you're just like, well, goddamn. Like, you don't... Like, he's being really smart. You know, you could say that he's being a little bit of an asshole. But that doesn't mean he's wrong. And it's so badass and smart by just going through this whole story to where it's giving you the reasons why he wouldn't work there. By saying, yeah, I don't want to be a guy who, you know is the main reason why numerous soldiers, you know, basically are, are homeless, jobless and have so many medical problems because I'm the one who's just able to get through this one program I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be involved in that. You know, I don't want to be a shield, a shell, whatever. And, oh my God, how that scene was done was so good, man. I wish somebody was here to talk to about this because I feel like me as your host, this pop, the host of this podcast. I feel like I'm just rambling and just writing dick for a movie that's just that good. But no, I just want to want to keep going, man. I, I want to keep going with this, man. I, it's just so, ooh, man. It, we're running on time for a little bit, but I want to go ahead and just get into like two two last points in here. Uh, just two last points. And one of the biggest scenes was just, well, I've gone through so many scenes, and I'll probably like expand this a little bit more. But one of the big things about this film that I just love is that at the end of the day, is that it, it when it gets to the big serious scenes, there's a lot to take in. There's a lot to, 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 to expand on, to elaborate. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing from it is that, well, there's two big things. I'm sorry for lying. God damn it. There's two big things. One, man, trauma can be a bitch and it can cause you to withhold so many things and become a person that you hate yourself being that deep down, you're just waiting for the moment to explode and, and finally just let your emotions out. And that sometimes that trauma causes our emotions to be, you know, to be held within so that they won't go out because it'll show us that we're weak because we do live in a world to where if you, you know, if we show weakness, we're, we're, we're mocked and ashamed, ashamed of, ashamed of, and, you know, we're getting better over time. I'm not going to say that's the status quo nowadays, but there are people who think that you should show no emotion. And I think that is very relevant to men, specifically for me, black men, uh, where we're not allowed to show emotion. If we do, we're considered weak. And and, and that's, up to see. that's something we see here with Will, with two different scenes, with one where he doesn't want to show that he, he doesn't want to admit that he loves Skylar, there's this huge, big scene that I want to get into. Um, and then there's one. It's the biggest scene. It's the one that, you know, Family Guy did a fucking joke out of. Everybody says it's a great scene. Where Matt Damon just, Will Hunting, he just completely breaks down. And it's just like, I can't believe my life is just crazy right now. But there's one other one where it's just, it just hits home. It just hits home for Will. But And this is the one played by, you know, Chucky played by Ben Affleck and basically he's just talking about if I see you, I'm going to beat your ass because you have something that I don't have. And Mm -hmm. I want to see you do well. And I'm going to play it. It's like a last scene. And that's what kind of round up everything I feel about this film. I wish I can go longer, but let's keep this get going. Like just this whole scene in general, was just. Once you connect it to the ending You're going to cry But this is how you shows that You need people like him In your circle man You need people like Ben Affleck in your circle And you're going to see that Just right about now man Thanks
0: man.
1: Ah,
7: ah, That's good That's good So how's your lady? Ah, uh, she's gone. Gone, gone where? Uh, med school, medical school in California. Really? Yeah. Uh, what was this? It's like a week ago. Well, that sucks. So, uh, when are you done with those meetings? I like think the week after I'm 21. Yeah, they gonna hook you up with a job or what? Yeah, fucking sit in a room and do
3: long division for the next 50 years.
7: Yeah. Probably make some nice bank though. gonna Be a fucking lab rat.
3: Better than this shit.
7: Way out of here.
3: I don't want a way out of here for. It. I mean, I'm gonna fucking live here the rest of my life. You know, be neighbors, you know, we'll have little kids, fucking take them a little league together up Foley Field.
7: Look, you're my best friend, so don't take this the wrong way. Like, in 20 years, if you're still living here, coming over to my house to watch the Patriots game, you're still working construction, I'll fucking kill you. That's not a threat,
1: that's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'll fucking kill your ass, man. <laughs> if you're coming over here my house to watch the Patriots, I'm gonna fucking kill you, man. That's a fact. Look.
3: You got something, none of us. Have. Oh, come on. Why, why is it always this? I mean, I fucking owe it to myself to do this or that. What if I don't no, want to?
7: No, no, no. Well, fuck you. You don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'll be 50. And I'll still be doing this shit. That's all right. That's fine. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're too much of a pussy to cash it in. And that's bullshit. Because I'd do fucking anything to have what you got. So would any of these fucking guys. It'd be an insult to us if you're still here in 20 years. Hanging around here is a fucking waste of your time. You don't know that. I don't? No, you don't know that. No, I don't know that. Let me tell you what I do now. Every day, I come by your house and I pick you up. When we go out, we have a few drinks and a few laughs and it's great. You know what the best part of my day is? for about 10 seconds from when I pull up to the curb when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. just left. I don't know much, but I know that.
1: Yep, I'm doing it again. I'm I'm pressing the button again. I'm pressing the button. Man, this, is, this is this is just a good fucking movie. I didn't even get to the best scene, but that was, those are considered my best scenes, man, cuz it's just so fucking good, man. But all that to say, if you haven't watched Goodwill Hunting, if you haven't watched Goodwill Hunting, please check it out. It's a wonderful film. If you don't think it's one of the best films ever, I will go ahead and put this out. I think it's one of the best psychological dramas out there. It's a film that you will relate to. It's a film that you will appreciate. It's a film that you will like for just the, the comedic tones, the dramatic tones. Every type of tone you got there, man. It's so good. It's so good. I don't. You can't watch it on Netflix. Catch it on Peacock, I believe. Ugh, I don't like Peacock, but... Yes, please watch this film Uh, I wish I could have a conversation With somebody right now But soon, we'll do that soon But anyway Let me go ahead and the fuck up So that was a good sound But uh, I Had a wonderful time with you guys today So glad that we were able to have this really cool episode Of The Midnight Drop Again, if you want to go ahead and follow us on Instagram Follow us at official underscore TMD podcast And go ahead and follow me, my personal Instagram at 615 underscore chill. We do episodes here every other day, but if you want to catch up to where we actually play at, check down the description box where We are available, where all platforms play podcast and include our website, www.unitdrop.com. That's it. Be back with you next time with our new episode. But until then, stay safe, stay blessed, stay you. Peace.